In today's always connected remote technology environment, there are three things you're not paying attention to, but you should be. What are they? And how do you get them under control? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change you want to see. This episode is brought to you by Shift Shaper Strategies. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. Clarify your message so you win more clients, crush your sales goals, and build your practice. Learn more at shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, here's your host, StoryBrand Certified Guide and Chief Transformation Strategist at Shift Shaper Strategies, David Saltzman. If it wasn't the case before COVID, it sure is now. We are always connected. We're connected 24-7. Some of us even take phone calls and answer texts at 2 in the morning. Now, that's not inherently a bad thing. Well, the 2 in the morning thing probably is. But it's also got some inherent risks. And we've invited Charles Henson, who's the managing partner at Nashville Computer, to join us today to talk about some of that. Welcome, Charles. Thank you, David. So a little bit about your background. How do you get to be where you are and doing what you're doing? Well, you know, I mean, I started out working in a factory, so that's not going to that's not going to suffice. A guy was there working on the computers, uh, on the computer system, and he was telling me that he makes $250 an hour to service this stuff. And I thought, wow. And a lot of the machines were being automated inside the factory. And I thought, you know, I need to go to school for that and get out of this work, you know, this type of work. And so I, I moved to Nashville, went to school, learned about computers and got a job at a Nashville computer back in 19, I think it was 1991. And uh, been here ever since and just really taken it as a career and uh, really been intrigued with the way technology works and the way computers can work. And, you know, you push a button and instantly be able to send an email around the world in seconds it's just amazing and fascinating to me. It is all of the above. And recently, you've had a particular interest, recently, the past six, seven years, you've had a particular interest in one aspect of what's going on around us, and that's cybercrime. What is cybercrime, and how big, can you quantify the problem at all? Oh, man. I mean, if if you can imagine, it's hard to put it into quantification. Like, it's hard to visualize how big of a problem this is. But when you think about Bill Gates saying, you know, I want a device in every home, now almost every home has multiple devices. And so you've got your phones, you've got your tablets, you've got your laptops, you've got your computers, you've got the kids' computers, you've got gaming systems, and all of these things are interconnected. Now you're adding touchscreen TVs, you're adding smart TVs that are connected to the internet, smart refrigerators that send you information about, you know, whether your milk is getting low, you've got these different thermostats and everything is connected to the internet now. So what that means is what used to be a target was one or two machines inside a business. But today, every device that you connect up to that network, as well as the infrastructure around it, meaning like the video cameras, all of your computers inside the system, the networks, Anything you connect up even at home that connects to the internet, like these Alexa devices or 
you know, the Google Home devices, all of these are devices that can be penetrated and accessed remotely if they are not secure. Well, and, and some folks don't think about it. I mean, I'm, I, as you know, I'm, I'm working on a new house and mm-hmm. we're talking to the builder about electric doorknobs. And I'm thinking, wow, that, that seems like it'd be an, an easy thing to breach. I mean, even something that simple, is that a problem too? They are very much a problem. So if, if you work for an office and you have a key fob and that system opens up a door, that means that whole building is controlled by that system. And so there was an FBI agent called a client, this is probably about a year ago, and they said, hey, we've got a report we want to give you. And when we started digging through the report, what had happened was their IT person had put in a key fob system. He did not protect it, never told us that he was installing it, and that's where the hackers got in. So they took control of the access system, and then sideways through the network, they were able to gain access to the servers. And then they started running various commands and scripts, and data was leaving, going to China. And that's where the FBI stepped in and said, hey, there's data living in this network. We're seeing these reports. There's malware and ransomware was being sent out from it. And so they have ways of getting into these systems without you even thinking about it. And it's because people will get a device, they'll set it up, they don't understand that there's a security piece to it, and it needs to have a secure password. And if you don't put that password in there, if you don't protect that device, or if you just open it up and say, yeah, I want to see my cameras from, from anywhere, like your ring cameras, then, you know, that ring camera that you just installed on your network, although convenient to see when your kids are coming and going, it can be a device that can be compromised so that hackers can gain access to your systems. Now, I know we talked offline about some things that folks just aren't paying attention to, besides making sure that you've got adequate passwords for all of your devices, even the ones that you don't necessarily think of as a computer. I mean, I guess if it connects, it needs a password. But what are some of the things that people just aren't paying attention to at all that they really need to be aware of? Well, one of the things is password hygiene. This is a huge problem that we see. And so let's let's think about that. So you use a password, a username and password, and you log into your phone, you log into your Gmail, you log into your Yahoo, you log into your Amazon, your YouTube, you log into Netflix, and then you log into the bank account. And all of these are using, in a lot of cases, the same passwords, and they're tied to the same email address. Well, if the hacker gains access to that one password, how many other systems can they gain access to? If you practice good password hygiene and you use a different password for every single login, your Netflix, your Gmail, your your computer account, your phone, everything, every single device, every single login that you, you go into has a different password. If that password is compromised, you have to go change it at one place. And the hacker can only get into it at that one place, not everywhere that you're using it. So today, it is very imperative that people use unique passwords on every single login that they have. And along with that, if you can add two-factor authentication to where it's sending a code to your phone, whether it's using an app or SMS text messaging, that is an added layer of security. So there, if the hacker gets your username 
and your password, but they don't have access to your phone. So they can't throw in that third party, that third authentication, then they can't gain access to your system, even if they do know your password. I think for a lot of people, the notion of having unique passwords for every device is just mind-blowing. Would using a system like a piece of software like LastPass or 1Password and there are others, is that the way to manage that so that you can actually use your stuff rather than spending years trying to remember which password you gave what? Yes, absolutely. The beautiful thing, and and I am a LastPass user, uh, and I'm not affiliated with them. I get nothing for naming them, but I use their free version. I used to use the paid version. Currently, I use the, the free version, and every single website that I have a login for has a unique password. And if I don't can't be creative enough to create a password, LastPass will actually suggest a password for me. And because it remembers that password in their database, then I don't have to remember that password every time I go to log in somewhere. So the, the cool thing about LastPass is not only can you go to their website, log in with one master password, but then it will tell you if you're using duplicate passwords on any sites, and it recommends that you go change them. Number two, there is a, a web browser plugin that you can add. So if you're using Chrome, you can add that plugin. And when you log into a site, if you go to your bank website, whatever, it's going to come up and it'll say, do you want us to log you in using LastPass? Third is there's an app for your phone. So if you're away from your computer and you need access to something, just a couple of days ago, I needed to gain access to my insurance coverage because my phone wasn't loading for whatever reason. And I grabbed my wife's phone and I was able to go in and see what my password was so that I could log in to the site directly because the app wouldn't load on my phone when I needed it. So even if you're not at the house, if you're not on your laptop or your computer, it can still work and you can gain access through that app on a phone. And it's very secure. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, if LastPass has all my passwords, what if they get breached? Well, today they've only been breached that I know of one time but the passwords were encrypted. So none of that information was ever gained access to by the hackers. And number two, if LastPass were to get hacked, then what you would do is you'd go change that one password at LastPass, your actual login password, and then the rest of them are going to remain secured. Yeah, I use LastPass as well. And I, I think I'd kind of be lost without it. So that's a simple thing that folks can do. What are some of the other things that they're not paying attention to that, that they ought to be? Well, it's, you know, let's, let's think about like a lot of people are now buying doorbells to go in their home. They're buying camera systems to plug up. They're, they're buying a temperature a thermometer uh, for your house, thermostat, excuse me. So you buy a thermostat for your house, you go and you connect it up out of the box, you connect it up to your Wi-Fi, and all of a sudden you have this additional device. Then you say, hey, do you want to have access to this remotely? Well, of course you do, because if if you're running late from work or if, you know something else is going on or maybe you got family coming over and you want to turn the AC down and get it nice and cool before you get home, then you have those controls. The problem that we see is, and this is primarily with camera systems, is people aren't putting a, us- a username or a password, a strong password on those. They're using whatever the generic or the default is. 
And there's a website, and I'm not going to name the site. You can simply Google search live cameras online, and you'll find the site that I'm talking about. They have, uh, I don't even know, it's like probably 300,000 cameras that are online. And these are all all cameras that are using the generic username and password. Now, the good thing is, is they took out the cameras that were in kids' rooms and bedrooms. But the, the other cameras are still active and live. And so you could easily go anywhere in the world and see live feeds from cameras that have default usernames and passwords. Now, the problem with that, David, is that these cameras also have the make and model of what they are. And I have actually taken over one of the cameras in a server room. And then I just did a quick Google search of this brand, this model, default password for that camera. And then I was able to log into that camera system and I could pan it. I could zoom in. I could remotely control that thing. And I'm now accessing their inside network, that device. Wow. And so there's hundreds of thousands of these devices plugged up in businesses and the users just absolutely don't even know it. I mean, you can see anything from, you know, chicken coops to data centers, call centers where there's, you know, 50 employees, you know, cubicles sitting there lined up and people working. So the storefronts, you know, people coming in and out of the stores, you name it, that camera, if it was just plugged up and they left the username and password as a default, then they're online on that website. And now a word from our sponsor. It's a fact. Salespeople and organizations lose opportunities because they don't clearly communicate their value. In today's market, your story is your message. It should be crystal clear, perfectly arranged, and precisely targeted to attract the clients you want. As a certified story brand guide, we use the exclusive SB7 process to create that story and the websites and collateral that deliver it. If your message isn't cutting through the noise, we can help. Visit us at shiftshaperstrategies.com to learn how we can help you find, clarify, and deliver a message that wins clients, crushes sales goals, and builds your practice. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. So learn more and schedule that call today at shiftshaperstrategies.com. That's shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now back to our discussion. Well, and that's especially true. I mean, if, if you're a parent and you've got a young child, a newborn, and and you put a teddy bear with a camera that's in its belly button, it's still yep. a camera. So you've got to think about that. What other things should parents with kids who have devices or multiple devices be thinking about to keep them safe? Yeah, well, you definitely need to be, number one, listening in to your kids. You need to be looking at what devices they're using on the internet. If you give them a cell phone, it's okay to have the password for that cell phone so you could log in and actually look. There's a couple of things that, that I teach and talk about when I do my speaking engagements, and it's, it's about protecting those kids. So there's, there's a couple of different ones, and one of them is location services. So I'll use this example. I found a note laying on the, front, on the ground at the State Farm campus in Dallas. I was out for an evening run. There's this, uh, it's a meticulous campus, piece of paper laying there. I picked it up to throw it away. And what I noticed is when I unfolded it, it was all the usernames and passwords and pin codes 
for this young lady. So I open that up, look at it, and I see that she has her Snapchat username and password. So with Snapchat, you can share images and you can talk to people, you can chat, and those messages disappear. So I added her as a friend on Snapchat. And as soon as she accepted my friend request, I started chatting with her and letting her know that I have her passwords and I, I want to return them. I'm a good guy. I want to educate her and teach her. Well, I took some screenshots of that, that I saw, A, where she was, her location, because Snapchat will show you on a map where your friends are. And then I know exactly where her house is because she was at home at the time of our, our chatting. And then the next day when I met her at a coffee shop that was a public location, I took screenshots of her getting closer to me on the app. So if I were stalking someone, I could totally use that app to stalk somebody, see exactly where their location is, and see where they live on the map. So the GPS in these phones and these apps is very, very close. If you turn on location services for Facebook, we're half a mile from a skating rink. I turned it on to play with it to kind of see what I could figure out. Two of my son's friends' mothers were at the skating rink, and it says, your friends are nearby. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't care to let everybody know where I am all the time. The other thing that parents need to be aware of is that there's a, a, a several different apps, but one particular is a calculator app. The app will ask for a four-digit code, and the kids can put in a four-digit code, and they can hide photos that the parent can't see. And then if you ask the, your, their child about it, they can give you a parent code. And that parent code is going to show you a different selection of pictures. So you need to understand that your kids and, and companies are out there making this stuff available and kids are using it. They're finding this technology. One of the things that I had to do was educate my son because he recently turned 18. His girlfriend was 17. I was like, whatever you do, don't share pictures, don't share text, don't take videos, don't do anything like that because every bit of that information and those pictures can be used against you. And so, you know, I had to sit down, have a heart to heart with my son and educate him on the dangers of what not to be texting. And uh, it's a little uncomfortable conversation, but, you know, we have to talk to our kids about these things. Absolutely. Let's take one more step because we've got a few minutes left. A lot of people talk about the dark web, what is the dark web and, and what's the danger to mere mortals who aren't computer hackers? So think about the dark web as a dark alley in like the worst part of your town. And you're wanting to go down there at, you know, 3 a.m. And what you see is all these dealers dealing drugs. They're selling stuff. They're going to rob you at gunpoint. Those are the types of things that you see on the dark web today. Now, it will become a marketplace and it is an anonymous marketplace. But for today, you can go there and you can buy drugs. You can have them mailed to your house. You can buy social security cards. You can buy stolen credit cards. You can buy usernames and passwords. So the big LinkedIn breach that happened where people's LinkedIn accounts, the usernames and passwords were breached, that information is purchasable. It's for sale on the dark web. And so that's why, that's another key piece of why we want to make sure of a couple of things. Number one, you're always monitoring your credit and your uh, you get text messages on all your credit, your credit cards. 
if somebody is charging something on your credit card, you want to get a text notification on it. If you have a password that was compromised, you never want to use that same password again. And so you need to know whether or not your password is on the dark web so that you know to never use that password again. There are some services now, some of the credit services are offering the ability to type in a password and and they will go out and search whether your password and your information is on the web. Are those safe? They they are safe as long as it's coming from like the, the big three or a credible, creditable source. So we offer that service as an ongoing. They offer a one-time scan. We offer it as a full-time scan. We're watching it. We're monitoring it 24-7, looking to see if any hits come up. And if they are, then we notify you. So we've got about a minute left. And I know one of the things that you were kind enough to do is you got a special offer for Shift Shapers listeners. Mm-hmm. Talk to them about, about how that works and, and why it's valuable and what they'll get from it. Sure, absolutely. So if you text the word password to the number 474747, so text password 474747, then what we will do is we will run a dark web scan for you. It's going to ask you for your first name, last name, and your email address. If you enter that stuff in, then somebody from my team will reach out to you. We'll do a complimentary scan for you. We can talk to you about the services of what that costs on a monthly basis if you're interested, but we're not a high sales pitch organization. We want people to understand and help them be aware of the dangers. And so it's better to know that information today than it is to not know the information and have somebody logging into your email or your system or your bank account or whatever without you even knowing it. So the sooner you can find out if your password is or has been for sale on the dark web, the better and the sooner you can go and change that password. Great advice and a terrific place to end our conversation for today. Charles Henson, Managing Partner at Nashville Computer. Charles, thanks so much for sharing your expertise with our audience. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Shift Shaper Strategies and may not be reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without our express written permission. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.